You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back, Real Presence Live listeners. Nick Bedelski here in beautiful southern Minnesota, Wasika, the land of the fertile soil, the land of the 10,000 lakes. I feel like I should be, we should be getting underwriting from the Wasika Chamber of Commerce by now or Tourism Bureau uh, because I mention it so many times and it is such a beautiful place to come visit. I can't, uh, can't hype it up enough. I love living here in Wasika. Uh, we had a wonderful conversation about the 11th annual Byzantine Choral Festival of Minnesota coming up this Sunday at 5 p.m. I don't know if we mentioned the time, um, but it is coming up this Sunday, October 10th at 5 p.m. Uh, at St. Constantine Ch- Ukrainian Catholic Church in Minneapolis there at 515 University Avenue uh, in the uh, northeast part of Minneapolis. Uh, so now uh, we shift uh, focus a little bit over to Father Will Thompson, who's the Vicar General here at the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Good morning, Father. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent. Uh, could you tell our listeners uh, what the heck a Vicar General does? Sure. Um, so a Vicar General is a, a priest of the diocese um, and uh, is kind of is able to do a lot of the things the bishop does, um, uh, but outside of sacramental roles. So I'm not able to ordain anybody. I'm not able to <laughs> confirm on a you know on a regular basis without his permission. Right. Um, but uh, but I but I assist the bishop uh, with kind of day to day operations in the diocese. Uh, so uh, help with a lot of uh, you know planning uh, for the diocese, uh, whether that be um, working with the. Uh, the staff at the pastoral center uh, to plan particular uh, areas or events uh, for for the diocese, um, but then any you know any particular initiatives that the bishop might have, uh, you know I, I would be uh, one of his uh, one of the priests that he would work with closely on that. Awesome. So, um, kind of along the same lines, uh, you've written some articles this past year um, in the Courier, which is the local um, paper for the diocese of Winona, Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've written some articles on the Holy See's recent document, The Pastoral Conversion of the Parish Community. Uh, can you tell us uh, about uh, the first article in that series? So there's, there's a, uh, I think there's three articles, uh, so far at least, right? Uh, yes. And uh, so the first one is called, What is a Parish? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, maybe just a little bit about the article first, or the uh, yeah. the, uh, the document from right. Uh, right. from the Holy See. Uh, it was produced uh, a little over a year ago, and um, was really a wonderful wonderful synopsis. Uh, first of all, synthesis of uh, different uh, canonical um, yeah possibilities for parish life and uh, parish leadership. Um, and so the first half of the document uh, really kind of goes into, you know, how, how can a parish operate? Uh, and then the second half of the parish gets, or the second half of the document, excuse me, gets into how a parish uh, can experience some, some conversion. Um, you know, uh, we in the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, have been following the Pope's lead for some time now in talking about missionary discipleship. Um, and, uh, you know, missionary discipleship is meant to be a, a way for us uh, individually to follow Christ, but at the parish level as a group to follow Christ. And so, so that's kind of what this 
what this document on the pastoral conversion of the parish is getting at is how do we as you know the people of God located in a particular area going to a particular church live as missionary disciples, live as members of the mystical body of Christ, live as children of God. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, there's there's been a lot of discussion, I think, uh, uh, within the church about uh, what parishes should look like, um, especially as, you know, over the last, well, I don't know, ever since I was a kid, so 30 years, even longer perhaps, there's been mergers, parishes, unfortunately, having to close. And so there's been a lot of um, talk about what, what, uh, what, what <laughs> like you said, what a parish looks like now. Yeah, and that, and that actually is one of the topics that is addressed in this document from the Holy See, uh, you know, the, the merger of parishes, um, you know, parishes not having Mass on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is something that's been around, you know, at least for 25 years in, in our diocese. But, um, but even, even before that, you know, in the history of the Catholic Church, you know, there are shifting populations, uh, demographics, uh, and... Um, you know, parishes do have to make some response to that. And so one of the possibilities, you know, is that canonical merger um, where uh, one parish, and, and, I, and I should explain, you know, the parish is first and foremost the people of God who live in a particular area. So right. it's, 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 it's defined, you know, by the people living in a territory before the parish is defined by the church building where we attend Mass. Mm-hmm. And so, so the, the document does talk about merging, but uh, but it but it tries to highlight you know where we are at right now, and you know let's look at experiencing some conversion as a parish. Uh, certainly, we know there's that individual uh, path of, of conversion, but what does a conversion of of a parish look like? And what does it look like? <laughs> well, uh, the, the the document gets into a couple of different areas. Um, you know, one uh, one that I kind of stood out to me, and it's something that I've given some uh, thought and prayer to over over the years, is uh, the, you know, the parish budget. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, when you look at a budget, a budget tells you what your priorities are, and uh, so it's it's good for us, and you know, in that. Uh, in that process of making a budget, uh, to not have that only be uh, an activity of the finance council at a parish, but to have the, the pastoral council give input uh, to the finance council on what priorities should be. Now, with any parish, you know, there's going to be you know some things you're not going to be able to avoid. You know, we we you know, everyone in the listening area, we're in the Midwest, you know, upper Midwest. You know, you got to pay for heat. You know, you right, know, right. You, you've got some things that you're just not going to be able to avoid. But when you start getting into um, some of the decisions on how to uh, allocate you know, the, the generous donations from the people of God for, uh, um, you know, for use at the parish, how is that being used? And so one of the areas of conversion is, is really to look at what do our budgets look like? Mm. And, you know, it's, I think it's important for us to, you know, to take a look at that and see, you know, are we really budgeting, you know, for uh, just, you know, building up discipleship, for building up missionary activity from the parish? Um, you know, I, I think most parishes have are, are, are familiar with, you know, budgeting a lot of uh, finances toward faith formation, towards youth ministry. But what about other areas of the church? I think that's a question that we can be asking. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're just joining us now, we're uh, speaking with the Vicar General of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, Father Will Thompson, who uh, might be familiar to some of our Real Presence uh, radio listeners. Um, one of the... Uh, so, uh, you kind of... Um, condensed a lot of this and put it put uh you know a lot of this document from the vatican in terms that you know um more the average person here in the diocese could understand right because just like anything that comes uh from the vatican right you talk about canonical language and things like that it can be difficult for the average person to understand well what what, what does this really mean right um and how does this apply to us here you know how does it apply to me as just you know your average mass going catholic um one of the the articles you you wrote has a very interesting title. Uh, How does a parish behave? Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and and I was I was kind of careful about that uh, that title, and I wanted it to be that way because it's you know when we talk about parish life, uh, it's it's not just a parish is not just the sum of its parts. You know, a parish is not just a bunch of individuals who happen to be together, but we are the mystical body of Christ. We do function together, and we do that uh, first and foremost by living out the grace of baptism. You know, that's you know, baptism. You know, does not just prepare us to come together on Sunday morning or Saturday evening to celebrate Mass together. Um, it doesn't just prepare us to kind of have a, you know, a, a church building uh, of our own where we celebrate, but it, it connects us to the larger family of God as well. So, you know, a, a, a parish behaves according to, you know, really, you know, the uniqueness of the, the parishioners. Uh, there are, you know, a lot of things, when you go from one Catholic parish to another, you're going to see some differences. But, you know, there's also really some limits on those differences. That's, you know, because, you know, one parish, you know, works with another parish as the people of God. You know, we, we build off of each other. We rely on each other. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, when, it, when a parish behaves, it's, it, you know, it can't behave independent from the Catholic Church. You know, we, we, right. we, we're not, we're not con- congregationalists where each parish is really its own entity. Right. But each parish is meant to build up the body of Christ right in that local area, right in that town, that community. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then uh, the, this uh, past, the, in the September issue, you specifically mentioned pastoral planning um, and what that is and what that is not. Uh, could you mm-hmm. go into that a little bit? Sure, and you know, I, as I was bouncing uh, this idea off of some of our uh, pastoral center staff here, they said, "I don't know if you want to use the term pastoral planning because that kind of <laughs> has a negative, uh, right. Uh, right. You know, meaning for for a lot of people." And you know, uh, pastoral planning is not code language for which parishes are going to close. You know, that's right. that's really not the purpose of it. Um, that might be an impact of pastoral planning, but. Those parishes that close or merge, as the you know the technical term, they are not the only parishes that are you know you know you know really responsible for or subject to pastoral planning. But right. every parish, every parish, you know, should take a look at where they are at and where the Holy Spirit is inviting them to go as a parish. It can be so easy for us to just kind of go with the flow. Uh, to mm-hmm. uh, get into our routines of um, what we're doing and just say, well, we've always done things this way, and so we're always going to do things 
this way. That's where pastoral planning comes in. And it can ask the hard question of, you know, does the Holy Spirit want us to continue doing this, or does the Holy Spirit want us to continue doing this in the same way? And you could think about that in terms of, you know, some of those, you know, big uh, areas of parish life that people hold on to, uh, in many ways rightly so, uh, you know, fall festivals, faith formation, uh, you know, the different groups uh, in, uh, with, within the parish. Um, it's worth asking the question every now and then uh, in that mentality of pastoral planning, you know, is this the way that we are able to continue to grow as a parish community, as a parish family. Right, right. Because we have a there's a term in uh, in the nonprofit world I'm familiar with called mission drift uh, that can happen mm-hmm. with organizations where you know you get so focused in on this particular event or you know taking you know putting out particular fires here and there that you sort of forget about what the initial you know point of having the <laughs> the organization to begin with was you know and you can yep. see that in some parishes I think where. You know, it becomes much more, like you said, about the about the church building, right, than it is about building up the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is important. Uh, I I totally agree to to go through this pastoral planning, and, and like you said, not just you know when it comes to a crisis point and you're sort of you know have to do it, uh, but to do it along the way so that you're you're prepared and so that you're you're referring back to wait you know this is this is a community uh of faith this is uh an outreach you know are we doing those things or are we just trying to raise money to put a boiler in the church and that's it right yeah yeah and some of those things have to be done you know i mean i mean you gotta you gotta have the boiler um but 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 you know as much as you can you know even with something like that you know can you plan out can you can you look at what the big ticket items are going to be uh you know for buildings and grounds upkeep over the next five years um you know there might always be surprises but there are a lot of things you can plan for and that allows you to plan beyond the building into the, the, the formation of the people of God into the pastoral activity of the people of God and really have that conversion where you're, you're focused on the mission and not just the maintenance of the building. Absolutely. Uh, if you're just joining us now, Father Will Thompson, Vicar General for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, joining us uh, to tell us a little bit about the, the uh, uh, pastoral planning and sort of uh, the this uh, document from the Vatican, the pastoral conversion of the parish community. Uh, one of the th- questions I think that comes up often is how can or how should uh, the laity be involved in this whole process? Oh, the laity need to be involved. You know, I, I think I think that that's that's clear. That's something that has been being built up since you know Vatican Council II, and this this document on the pastoral conversion of the parish. It, it, there's there's really nothing new in in, in the document. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, a lot of people aren't familiar with you know the canon you know the canon law that's in there. Right. But, but there's there's really nothing new in the document. But it reiterates. It says again, um, maybe in a new way and with a new angle. Uh, yeah, the, the laity must be involved. Uh, you know, I, I think I wrote this in uh, in one of my articles. Uh, if I didn't, I've written it in bullets and columns. I've said <laughs> it. But you know, if you know, if the parishioners are depending on the pastor for the entirety of the pastoral activity of the parish, it is going to be very limited. That pastoral activity is going to be very limited. Uh, you know, the, the, the pastor is there, 
you know, as uh, as a leader, yes. But you know, if, if you look at you know nonprofits, for profits, you know, the, the CFO is not doing everything right. uh, in in those businesses. Uh, you know, you have to have leadership step forward. Uh, you know, you have to have people uh, really getting down into the weeds uh, to make sure that the pastoral activity of the parish is happening. So you know, you know, we've we've got that you know in probably every parish with catechists. Um, you know that's that's been a you know a, a great movement, um, you know over the last sixty plus years, um, but but now we're seeing more people getting involved, more laity getting involved with leading Bible studies, with uh, you know the the work of visiting the homebound, the sick. You know these these are really good things I think that are, that are happening where we're able to exercise our baptismal call. And that's and that's kind of what this is about, uh, you know. The pastoral activity, you know, yes, there are some responsibilities that the pastor, that the priest has, uh, some responsibilities that the deacon has, um, but there are also responsibilities uh, for the laity. And you know, really, that pastoral conversion of the parish is, uh, I think, also seeking ways, uh, of, you know, with, within or outside of the budget. How can laity become more involved uh, in the activity of the parish? Absolutely. And like you said, that that was one of the big thrusts of the Second Vatican Council, kind of prophetic in a way, right, in that uh, we we got uh, the church got spoiled there. Uh, for, for a few, uh, you know, for a few centuries, with so many uh, religious and so many uh, uh, vocations to the priesthood, and now that those have sort of, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, right? You know, there aren't as many as there once were. Uh, the laity are really put in a position where we we have to do a lot of these things, right? Um, and it's it's something we should have been doing the whole time. You know, because it is exactly. part of our baptismal call, right? That, well, and that, it's, uh, it's so hard. It's ho- so hard to break because for, for so many years, you know, you might have four priests in the parish, and now one priest has four parishes in that same area. Right. But, you know, you had four priests in one parish, and one was the pastor, one was the secretary, one did the faith formation. Yep. You know, you know, the, you know, there were so many priests for for a time that they were able to, you know, really take over all of the parish activity, the pastoral activity. Uh, but, you know, what we've been working on since Vatican Council II, and Pope Francis continues that, is to say, you know, there are some rights and responsibilities of the baptized uh, in, the, in the pastoral activity of the parish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's beautiful to see that bearing fruit uh, in a lot of places uh, throughout, throughout, our, throughout this diocese and, and throughout the church as a whole, just seeing lay people really grab onto that and uh, take the church, uh, you know, new places, exciting places, right? And mm-hmm. uh, just continuing to be that fire and that, uh, that motivation and, and the, the hands and feet, right, of uh, right. Christ out in the world. Um, so uh, if... Uh, one question, and uh, <laughs> maybe this uh, isn't anything, maybe it is, but uh, does this whole um, sort of process also apply kind of on the diocesan level? It does. It does. Yeah, you know, when we, when we meet as a courier, so that would be the, 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 the staff at the pastoral center, uh, you know, we're constantly asking the question, you know, and especially coming out of, uh, out of the pandemic, you know, do we continue with this particular activity? Do we give it a major tweak? Do we uh, drop it and, you know, move in a different direction? Um, so this is, you know, a discernment that is definitely happening at the, um, at the diocesan level. 
you know, I, I experienced this in a, in a personal way several years ago uh, when I served the diocese as the vocation director. And we had a, uh, a summer camp called Covadis Days. Um, it exists in some other dioceses as well, where we would bring together middle school and high school boys to uh, to look at the vocation of the priesthood. And um, I was actually the first uh, participant uh, from our diocese that uh, went on to be ordained uh, from uh, from that uh, that activity. But you know, through prayer, through conversation with Pete, with with others, I made the decision to uh, you know discontinue. That, per- that particular camp. And then it, just a few years later, we opened up a, a new middle school camp co- that we call Camp Summit. Um, and you know, we were able to really, really shift, really move our, our energy in a different direction because it became clear that Covadis Days, you know, it, it was good. Uh, it, bore, it bore fruit. But its time, you know, its time was up. And it was time to move on to a different, uh, different way of of serving uh, serving the youth in our diocese. Absolutely, and sometimes that's the hardest thing is being able to let go of projects um, and and uh, you know things like that that are, that are near and dear to us. You know, because we've had a hand in it. Heck, I'm sure it was a difficult decision for you, uh, given that you had gone through that camp and that mm-hmm. had you know been part of your vocational journey. But like you said, it's important to to reexamine these things and say and refer back to our you know, our mission to, to call people closer to Christ. And is this still serving the same function? Do we need to, uh, like in this case, right, close one thing so we can retool and open uh, a better program uh, in the That's long right. run there? Yeah, because it's important for us to, you know, for all of us as Catholics to, to remember this is not about me. Um, you know, it's not about my pet projects, my, uh, you, know, where I, you know, I may put my blood, sweat, and tears into something, and it's great for a while. But you know, the, you know, the time may come where it's time to move on to let someone else take over, uh, to let um, you know, let the Holy Spirit move the the, you know, the parish, the church, whatever level we're at, uh, into a new direction. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, uh, Father Will. It's great to talk with you uh, about this. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And before you go, uh, would you mind giving us your blessing? Not at all. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you're just uh, tuning in, Real Presence Live had an amazing conversation with Father Will Thompson, the Vicar General of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, about uh, parish planning, pastoral planning, and uh, even on the diocesan level, and making sure that we refer back to that original mission of the church to go out and uh, evangelize and uh, bring people closer to Christ. Stick with us through the break. Uh, After the break, we'll be talking with the Executive Director for Real Presence Radio, uh, Mark Holcraft, my boss, um, and we'll be talking about how the recent Fall Live Drive went, as well as the upcoming banquets. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 